Welcome to Dark Souls. It's just me and Mr. Quentin Smith this week. I thought you were going to say, it's just me. Just me <laughs> doing to myself. A carefully composed soliloquy. People about... have suggested that in the past. Not the soliloquy, but on weeks when people haven't been able to make it, people are like, you could just do one on your own. It's like, no. Oh my God. A monologue is not a podcast. You'd be like one of those late night radio DJs who yeah. is just, it's it's me in the wheels of steel. But then I do, do, I do, do videos, which are literally just me talking about things for about half an hour. Yeah, but those are scripted. Do you want to try scripting 45? Minutes of no, no, I don't. I mean, we could do it as an experiment, just like you and me doing like a monologue. It could be a Darth Souls where we read out old articles we really love. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's desperate. Let's not do it yet. Yeah, it's not that. I think that's an interesting idea, but not for today. Today, we're going to talk about video games that we've played and liked. And we're going to try and keep this podcast snappy because we've been verging well over the line of an hour, an hour and a quarter many, many times. And that's not really what our last, podcast does. Last week was like a landslide of Daft Souls chat. Or Dark Souls, rather. See, this is the problem with calling a podcast Daft Souls. <laughs> it made me laugh temporarily, but I do genuinely get them mixed up all the time. And lots of people don't listen to the podcast because they think it's a podcast about Dark Souls, which only last week it was. <laughs> I think uh, there might have been a couple of episodes where yeah, that's Yeah, yeah, but I think we're probably done for the time being on that front. Matt, so let's talk about the opposite of Dark Souls. Yeah. Let's talk about Ratchet and Clank. Sure, Ratchet and Clank. I've been playing Ratchet and Clank. And uh, I got into this because I used to love playing Ratchet and Clank when I was younger. Now, this is very much one of these uh, series of games where they did the same thing that happened with the 3D platforming genre on the N64, of it just kind of getting a bit too stuck into a rut of what they are, a bit too stuck in a rut of iterations. And whilst Insomniac, who are the guys who made Ratchet and Clank, also famous for Uncharted, etc., mm. um, were very good at what they did, it started to become a bit trite. Wait, and- hang on. Insomniac... Oh, they well, make... made a mistake there. No, I think Insomniac... No, it's Naughty Dog. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I wonder what... But it, no, it's true that all, all developers who do a very silly cartoonish um, platformer also do a very serious IP. Uh, you keep talking about Ratchet & Clank. I'm going to Google what Insomniac did. Yeah, what was it? Oh, I know this. But so there's a new Ratchet & Clank game out for PS4, which surprised me because I missed all the marketing for that. Yeah, well, there wasn't a huge amount. Um, and also it's come out at a fairly small price. Level? It's like 20 quid? It's like 30 quid, I think. 20, 30 quid, which uh, for a new game on PS4, especially for a game that looks this good. They made Resistance. Resistance, that was it. Of I course, knew. how could we forget Resistance? The least forgettable <laughs> of all the action. You know, uh, I never played it. And they also made something else in the, the old day era that was good. What was it? Um, oh, they made uh, Spyro. Spyro, of course. That's probably one of the most famous things they did. And they've done lots of less famous things. But you can see that they've made a lot of Ratchet and Clank games. Jesus, there's um, like nine or ten of them. I think this is the 11th. Um, but How the- would you describe... I mean, I've played Ratchet and Clank. I love it to pieces. Yeah. The, the heart of it, then, it's a, it's a 3D platformer, run around the world, bounce on things. Lovely, light, beautifully crafted, but with just tons of guns. Tons of guns. And it's kind of like um, the way it works is a bit of a cross between a little light platformer um, and a third-person shooter. So basically, when you're running around normally, it's just like, think old-school platformer, but it's not too difficult on the platforming front. It's just enjoyable running around, breaking crates, etc., jumping on things. But then you hold down the L trigger anytime, and then suddenly, rather than moving like a 3D character within just a platformer, you're strafing. And it's more like kind of aiming and locking onto enemies. And it sort of snaps between these two things of like simple platformer, simple third-person shooter. You get guns. The guns are increasingly silly and increasingly powerful. And you collect bolts, which are just from like smashing up everything. Basically, what I love about Ratchet and Clank games is you just destroy everything. 
<laughs> you, you destroy the enemy robots, you smash up crates, and then there's just bits of incidental scenery that you break them as well, just for a bit more currency. I had a housemate who described it, or who found Ratchet and Clank to be the best sort of, uh, the best third per- the an unparalleled, unparalleled platformer to play when you have a hangover. Yeah. That it was sort of like, it's wrapping up on a warm blanket... And then just satisfying, like, popping and crackling. And- yeah. It, you just kind of go around and gradually get more money and more things and guns get better and then you buy new guns. And the guns are all quite inventive. And obviously I've played a lot of Ratchet and Clank games, so they seem less inventive to me now because I've seen so many. Yeah, so what's the deal? I've heard the new Ratchet and Clank... Uh, this sounds like I'm of IGN. What's the deal, what's Matthew? The deal? You I've already heard games. that this new Ratchet and Clank is based on a movie? Yeah, you see... But um, the franchise is starting eating itself, right? Because this game is now based on the movie that was based on the game? Yes. So, but the thing is, the franchise has been eating itself for a long time, and it's why I stopped playing. It's been this is the eleventh game, as I say. I played a lot of them; they were all fun. But my God, they became very much clearly you are playing another iteration of a thing. However, this is a reboot to tie in with the fact that they're actually releasing a movie about Ratchet and Clank. But this is amazing, and I didn't know this. After I played the game for about two hours, I started to get really weird feelings. I was like, "Hang on a minute! Like, is this a remake of the first game?" Because I started to get like weird, like deja vu about the areas even okay. though but then it's this weird thing of it's it's a remake of the original game because the because movie the film tells the story of tells the, the story of the original that's nuts game. so it reminds me of a bit of remember the GoldenEye game that came out on the Wii and then came out on other things yeah which was just a, one of the weirdest things ever for because those it's who, like weird deja vu like I've been here before but I haven't well no with the uh, with GoldenEye on the on the Wii what happened was it was a remake of the original game, which was popularised by the movie, but then because of the new Bond movies, they obviously had the rights to use Daniel Craig as Bond and not Pierce Brosnan. Oh, yeah. So it was a reimagining of the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> film as if it was a, a Daniel Craig film, the game. But it was like a reimagining of a film that didn't exist. And it was like, that was... I still, even though it was a kind of fairly rubbish game, I still love that exists because conceptually it's nuts. As far as all like nostalgia being a weird thing, the, my favourite story of recent, of recent, is that people have been playing the new Day of the Tentacle remake yeah. um, that came out I think recently on Steam or something, and um, and they play it and they load it up and they go, oh my god, it looks like it looks just like I remembered. This is amazing. And then they go into options and find the button which is like if you want to go back to the original graphics and they're like, wait, what? Because I thought this was the original graphics. Yeah. And you press it and they just instantly barf because yeah. the pick. Pixels are so huge. Everything, Everything is bad. abstracted, weird. Like, yeah. Talking of pixels, actually, my favourite gun in the Ratchet and Clank at the moment, uh, and this is a new one because it isn't a remake. It is a kind of weird reboot. I'll get back to that in a second. My favourite gun so far is the Pixelator, which so is cute. basically a gun that you fire at things and... It's really smart in the fact that what it does is it then like immediately does damage the enemy and it turns them into like a very very low basic poly version of them. Not even low poly, like it turns them into a two D pixelated version okay. of that enemy. But then what's lovely is if it then kills that enemy, then it then has this animation of the enemy being slumped, and then like it has this two D um, slumped. Corpse. image yeah. there but it's not actually you get close to it and it's not actually 2D it's all made of tiny like cubes and then you can smash it and then all, wow. all of the pixels just smash <laughs> around all over the place and it is I mean the, the thing I should say about this is it is a gorgeous game like, mm, I bet is, it is a Ratchet and Clank on the PS4 is reason enough for me to get it it looks incredible and with this as well it just had me grinning so it's been this weird thing in the fact that at first I started playing it and I'm like oh it's really good to be playing Ratchet and Clank after so many years of not looking at it and uh it was really making me smile. 
and remember playing the original. But then I had the thing of being like, hang on a minute, this is the original? And yet it's not, because what it is, and this must be the same as the film, is it's Captain Quark. Now, Captain Quark, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a large green man with a big chin. He's like the superhero of the Ratchet and Clank universe. Yeah. But he's rubbish. He's rubbish. He's like rubbish at, at best, uh, is the best way to put it. But yeah, it's told from his perspective. So it's like the story of Ratchet and Clank being retold by an unreliable narrator. So it's basically the same levels, the same things, uh, but with different cutscenes and with different story and little things that occasionally are different and different guns. And it's it's not like a HD remake. It is kind of a new game, but it also isn't. Um, and that's fascinating. It's, it's been really nice as a nostalgia thing because I've been thinking for years, I would say, oh, the original Ratchet and Clank was great. It came out in 2002. So almost, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and yet, like, this is nice in the fact that it's it freshens up the formula and adds a lot of more modern systems, but at the same time, it is still the original game, but some of it is so weirdly dated, like, I'd forgotten. Oh, really? Yeah, like, it's the thing that, the stuff that's dated is all tonal. So there's a character called Skid McMarks, who is basically, <laughs> who is basically oh. ever, I should point out at this point, Ratchet and Clank games are funny. Like, um, and this is funny. It's not like hilarious, but it is funny. Um, and yeah, Skid McMarks is this character that's sort of like a, a kind of skateboarder surfer dude. And he's like, yo, and it's this weird thing of being like, even in the early 2000s, that kind of character and comedy was getting pretty old. Like, this I is- almost want to say that, like, but the whole, yo, kids, you know, like, what's up, fellow kids, the stupid Shemmy thing. It's like, that's, that, isn't that coming back? It is, but this isn't done with that slant. It is like, okay, it's a weird kind of hippie skater character. And it's mm. just so, it is very 90s. And it's kind of weird to be playing a game which is so shiny and modern. And yet occasionally has lots of character tropes that just feel well dated. Man, it's I think bizarre. I would hypothesize that nothing ages better, or at least, you know, more ridiculously in video games than that raft of like late 90s to early noughties, uh, first wave of 3D platformer characters. Yep. The fiance and I had a pretty amazing time watching the original reveal trailer for Blinks the Time Cat. My the God, day. <laughs> time uh, sweeper! The, Blinks time the Time cat sweeper. Is, time Cat is better. I mean, he is a Time Cat. <laughs> he is. Um, and then what else? Which was oh God, you, you know, Banjo Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie, I have a lot of love for. Yeah, yeah. You wanna you wanna look at something that actually has some really problematic characters now? Yeah, Banjo, sure. Like it's it's like you know it's it's funny because you remember it being like this completely harmless. Like he's a bandicoot, but he's not because he's a bandicoot that hangs out with some really bad like tribal and mental health stereotypes. Oh, is that Crash Bandicoot or is that Crash Bandicoot? Is like he's oh, yeah. crazy, like yeah. tongue hanging out, blah, 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 kind of. And yeah. then it's like you watch it back, it's like ooh, ooh, <laughs> different time, wasn't different it? time. You got Spyro. Lots of people back shit. then. You know, lots of people back then didn't have a voice, <laughs> and because yeah. of that, the world was simpler, um, but, but not better. Uh, but no, it's like it's all these guys, like and of course the pinnacle of, and I, I sincerely hope. I I upset some of the right kind of people here. The pinnacle of weird uh, arc, like uh, characters, Sonic. 
Mm. Like, man, we're getting so many great indie games now that are like, and I, I'm not a big fan of like ironic kind of enjoyment of something, but like ironic Sonic fan games are some of the best things yeah. I've played. Sonic Dreams. Sonic Dreams, man. Have we ever talked about that? Have we not? Have you, did you play Sonic Dreams? I didn't, but I've seen it played. Oh. If anyone's going to talk about it, it would have been you, so go nuts. Oh, dude. Sonic Dreams is uh, is a piece of freeware. You can download it from a fan. It looks like um, you're downloading it from a Sonic fan site, and it's like they've hacked this rare, unreleased Sonic game, but it's not finished, so you expect it to be uh, sort of ropey around the edges. And it's a series of unfinished um, games from Team Sonic, supposedly. It's not. But there's like, you can make your own Sonic. You can make your own, and then it randomizes like a hedgehog, but the hedgehog that it randomizes for you is always going to be like warped and slightly messed up. And then you click on a button and it'll be called like Shadow Shadow the Hedgehog Sonic. <laughs> That's your randomized name. And then the thing that caused me to laugh like more than anything else that month in all of gaming was like, there's a big button that says ring. And you press the ring button and it plays the sound effect, the ching 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 of when Sonic picks up a ring. And a ring is thrown in from off camera towards your Sonic and just bounces off their head. <laughs> um, uh, what else? There's a mo- Sonic Movie Maker. That's yeah. a whole thing. That was yeah. the one that went that created some like viral footage of that game. Yeah. Um, it was you would go into a film set and you have this camcorder, and you can only complete the level when you've used up all seven seconds of the tape inside it. And like the fir- and each level is a different set. So it's like you've got a ragdoll Sonic and a ragdoll Tails in like an out someone's yard, like a garden. Um, but you can't like make them stand up. Like they're fully ragdolled. So you're going to be filming them collapsed on the floor. And then there are speech bubbles you can drag over their heads so they're saying things. But you have to pick from like four speech bubbles in the in, to the side of the set. And they're like, look at me, dad. And I love you, dad. And and all slightly weird stuff. And then every, yeah. every set you progress through. It's kind of like a weird uh, digital representation of Sonic fan thing. It is. It is. It's like it's very much playing off um, Sonic fans and how much they love Sonic. And, and God bless them because I love anyone who loves anything that much. Just hopefully that they're also able to like laugh at themselves a bit because let's be real, yeah. loving Sonic is already weird because he's a character with very little person. character. Yeah, I mean he <clears throat> he likes one chili note dogs. is the word. I, I don't would know. Use. I don't know if that was canon, but I remember from Sonic the comic that he loves yeah. chili dogs. Anyway, I won't spoil anything more about Sonic Dreams, but like I say, it is free and it is incredible. So you yeah. have to play. it. I mean, it's the sort of thing. Even if you don't play it, just look up videos and just, but preferably, you know, without commentators or because yeah. you don't need that. You just it, it serves itself perfectly well just on its own. It is one of those annoying games where I could talk about it and be really interesting but then I would spoil the game yeah. so just go and play Sonic Dreams yourself why not it's the best Sonic game in years <laughs> but it oh, mate, that is so unbelievably true yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're enjoying Ratchet and Clank Ratchet and Clank it's it's kind of a, a weird one in the fact that I am enjoying it but at the same time it's one of these weird things of, of it's like revisiting your childhood in pin crikey HD of it not just being a that's uh, what I want man it is great like and um, it's it's funny though how much um, whilst I'm enjoying it it's funny how much some of the design has data um, not in terms of it being bad, uh, just in terms of it being different. I think the pace of games has changed a lot in the past uh, 10 years. games have become years. faster? Well, it's weird things like the fact that when you start the game, you don't have a gun, and then you get a, a, a bomb glove, and it, it, it's kind of weak. And then you get a gun, and it's kind of weak. And now it's like very much the philosophy and design of most games is you get a gun, it's amazing. You get another gun, it's better. And like that thing of like the first thing you get being powerful and feeling great is something which games now have really embraced. Whereas in this, it does the thing of actually, 
Ratchet and Clank as a game doesn't really show its hand for about an hour and a half in terms of like, it's not until you've got about four different guns and you start to upgrade them that you start mm. to go, oh, this gun feels good now. And then you get a better gun and God, that gun feels amazing. Yeah. And then also, um, the thing is at first it just feels like ah, the platforming's mild, the shooting's okay. It doesn't feel like that punchy. The guns don't feel amazing. But there comes a sweet spot in Ratchet and Clank about three hours in where suddenly you realize that these guns, it's not like just pick your favorite gun. These guns are all good against different enemies and then you get into this rhythm of like actually having challenging encounters where you're switching between them to deal with different things and it starts to give you more interesting encounters and you get into a real zone but as you say it's great hangover because when you die you don't lose anything you start the area again you playing too much Dark Souls that is standard for most <laughs> video games no 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 but it means that your guns you level up your guns and you level up your character and get more health just by killing stuff. Oh, right. So you so, keep the XP. As yeah, well. which means if you keep dying on something, it's like you're still Grinding, getting better. Yeah. Like, you're still keeping things. You're still getting more money. So even if you, you stuck, it's okay. And the other thing that I really like about it, which is something that a lot of games don't do, is that the pace is really fast. Like, you start on a planet, and then there'll be, like, two different routes you can go down. And each of the routes, you can choose whichever one you want to do first. You can go over here, and then maybe save a skateboarder. And you can go over <laughs> here and get rid of all of these monsters from this area. And it has a little tiny story arc that will have some funny VO about, like, there's one bit which is to do with, like, the the, the government are putting tanks in the area to get rid of these tiny sludge aliens and like this, this talking about how the, these tanks will target anybody so please just stay oh, yeah, inside that sounds like Ratchet and Clank and um, but then that little arc that little go into this area have this background incidental story kill some things or do a puzzle do some more and yeah. then it's over in like five minutes so it's really this, yeah it's like it sounds like from the way they were marketing it I was I came to expect a platformer that's only like 12 hours long I think so because I think back then they were you know? No, they were long-ass games. I don't know. I think they were like 30 hours of sink your teeth into this... Ju- Man, don't you remember? I like that the first one was. I can't remember. Wasn't that like the PS2 era of like... Who was, what was the other one? Jack and Daxter? Jack and Daxter, And there was yeah. another one, I think. Ah, uh, yeah. But those big open-world games were like... I, I almost want to say those were the first games that did the whole... The, you've got the first of 100 flags... There's a bit of that, but I, maybe as the problem is, I'm, I'm remembering it probably just as well as, as Quark is, to be honest. <laughs> so I don't know, but it just feels the thing is that I remember now. Once I got into it, I started remembering the levels are almost exactly the same. Like, so oh I, really? Yeah. So it's it's far more of a remake than yeah. It's just that the levels are the same, but there's new guns, new progression system. Like the way you upgrade your guns is totally new, uh, and. The cutscenes are different, and the characters are different, and actually some of the cutscenes have references. Like, there's a wonderful. Do you remember the plumber in the first area? No, I actually only played. I only got. I got into Ratchet Clank late. Because that's the thing. They got bigger, and they got more like these grand adventures. Yeah, that's what I remember. But I think the first one was quite condensed and quite tight, and. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's weirdly nostalgic in a fun way. I don't know what it'd be like for people to come and play. Because it's weird being in like a game that, even though they've modernized some aspects, some of the core design of the game still feels quite old fashioned. Yeah. But it's not bad, and I think it's, it reminds me more of mobile games in a way, of the fact that you can just... What I've been doing is I've been playing it as a bit of a palate cleanser for stuff like Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, is the fact that I can just switch it on, play it for 20 minutes, and do a planet in, like, 20 minutes. Man, speaking of which, I've in terms of palate cleansers, uh, I've been playing Dark Souls 2 and working my way through the Scholar of the First Thing edition just to get to the DLC, because I heard the DLC is, like, top-tier Souls anything. Yeah. But I've been doing that as a palate cleanser for when Street Fighter gets too intense. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And on the subject, we're wrapping up the contender now. Like, the next episode is going to be the next one for a while. It's going to become an irregular podcast after that. 
But uh, man, I'm looking forward to not training anymore, so I can just sit back and enjoy this. game. Well, this is the thing. I mean, uh, we've we've mentioned the contender uh, on uh, on Darth Souls before, but obviously you've been doing this this uh, podcast, which involves you trying to get into the top ten percent. Is top ten percent? Top ten percent ranked Street Fighter players. So not even people who've bought it, but people who are playing online. Yeah, which is which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but you've been trying to do that, and you've been doing that as a weekly podcast, We're and now there. you're almost there. Now it's going to get to a point where it's going to be an irregular podcast because hell, like. I don't think people realise like podcasting is in itself difficult work mm-hmm. sometimes. It can be exhausting. But you've been training like how many hours a week? Man, I've been training at least an hour a day. But then on Tuesdays, which is my day with my sensei, who I record the podcast with, lovely Ian, um, that's an eight-hour day of playing Street Fighter. It's I didn't realise signing up to the project, but it's devoured my whole life. But the thing I wanted to mention here is like, my God, I'm looking forward to just playing Street Fighter for fun. In terms of something that I guess I didn't really express in all my like Street Fighter Five chat is like the most fun I've been having with games recently isn't training for the contender. It's not playing Ferocious Ranked. It's my friends on my Steam's list, like uh, our mutual friend Bop or um, a friend of mine called Aubrey, just pinging me on Steam and saying, hey, do you want to just like spar? And then just having... Complete low pressure training against their character, who I don't usually just play. mindless chat, just just, just chatting chat. and fighting, and then going, oh look at this, look at this, and occasionally something will happen that makes us burst out laughing. Like it, it, it's it's so human and like mm. it, like tangled up. I think that's something that I would love for people to. If you're on the fence about Street Fighter Five, and this is one of the many things that surprised me and that I found out in the contender, like maybe you as somebody who doesn't really play Street Fighter would assume it's like a bit twitchy. But mm. so much of it is essentially playing rock, paper, scissors with each other and getting in each other's head. And, and and something I didn't know about Street Fighter is that to counter something, you have to be guessing they're going to do it because, like before they do. So your hand is kind of ready or hovering over the correct button or the correct input, which means that you're constantly predicting and second guessing. And so it actually is a far, far, far more social game than I thought playing as a kid when Street Fighter was just press buttons, press buttons, press buttons, oh, panic, press buttons, press buttons. No, no. It's getting a feel for what they're going to do. Yep. And uh, and getting inside someone's head is huh. like no word of a lie. So it's like a gambling thing then of being like kind of, are they going to try? Oh, and, dude. Are they going to try and go big or are they going to be, you know? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Like, yeah. so the whole thing in Street Fighter is that, like, when someone falls over, and uh, then the, that's and I run up to you. I don't know what you're going to do when you stand up, but I have the advantage because generally, if you lose that particular gamble, like for example, you don't know if I'm going to throw you. You don't know if I'm going to like hit you really hard. You don't know if I'm going to hit you lightly or try and go into a combo. Like, and then you have to guess. And actually, I don't think I mentioned this, but at Street Fighter tournaments, that is such a big deal that they hold side tournaments of rock paper scissors. Wow. Like, they, you will get a rock, paper, scissors champion, and some of those guys <laughs> are so, so, so good. So, yeah, now the contender is wrapping up. Like, yeah, I've just been enjoying playing it as, like, a casual thing. And your amazing Bloodborne video went up um, today. And there was something I did want to mention because it occurred to me. You mentioned in that, that video, which I also want to talk about briefly because I found sure. it really interesting. Sure, um, That One of the things that Bloodborne does that it has in common with Bioshock is that those are games that because they kill you and send you back through the same area over and over uh-huh. and over again, you can notice small details in the environment. Yeah. And not to the same degree because it's not exactly storytelling, but Street Fighter V and one of the reasons these games are so clever is they do the same things with their stages ridiculously yeah I mean it's not like fine picking apart some grand narrative but there are just stuff in those levels that I am only still noticing like a month and a half in yeah it's absolutely insane well this is the thing and actually I I, I had to because as you know uh, Quinn's did an amazing job on looking at that video because I've been working on it for so long that I needed a second pair of eyes to tell me what needed cutting but before that I've been doing loads more cuts and there was actually a big more substantial uh, section about that sort of thing in particular in the end I decided it was a bit too fluffy so I just thought nah and I just <laughs> binned it um, but I had a big thing about that and it's a shame because it's one of these things where actually uh, whilst they do do it occasionally 
occasionally I would like to see Souls games do that more mm. and Bioshock I think is still one of the few games that did that and I think it's interesting that that method of that idea of being like yeah you're dead but you haven't lost progress that idea of like you you know all the stuff you got all the things you killed everything stays the same meant that people were content to just repeatedly go through similar areas more than once because it didn't feel like their time was being wasted Yeah, and uh, I think the effect of that was yeah I think even though Bioshock people do remember they're like oh it's a baby carriage with a gun in it or oh it's another skeleton that's been turned into some sort of no Bioshock Bioshock was clever I know the beats you're referring to but no those general moments of entering like a big hall or like a large sort of uh, shopping complex and then seeing what happened here yeah well it was just that they they did do that kind of crass stuff and they did do like you know the the single tape machine with a light on it a spotlight yeah I get that because you know sometimes they were little set pieces they wanted to make beats they wanted players to hit so even if people were running through the game they were like we want you to still have these cool experiences so we'll just of be course, like yeah. oh god this but what I love my favourite bit in Bioshock was uh, when I was at the port and I just noticed on the floor I was like there were a suitcase full of books spoiled everywhere and I just stopped and looked at them and realised they were Bibles and it was like this was somebody caught trying to smuggle Bibles into Russia <laughs> and they were like probably killed for it and and like that was amazing and I honestly I'd love to see games do that more because it's weird how People complain about game length and stuff, but also a lot of the time people treat games like roller coasters, and, and it means that uh, in order for people to provide value, they just make the games bigger and longer. And it's like it's a shame because it means that game devs, in, in terms of trying to make these single player games, they're just creating these very long tunnels. Yeah, I've and- mentioned this on Darth Souls before, but it it's ridiculous that the skill set of a designer these days is to make a level which has like you know, which encourages the player to notice things as they sprint through, like, in a long line. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I've mentioned this on Darth Souls before, but I think uh, Warren Spector, you know, lead on lead designer on Deus Ex, yeah. said that he would love nothing more than to make a game set in a single apartment complex. Yeah. Which is kind of... I mean, we're to, it's not really Well, the problem home, is, is, it doesn't it? really work as well. Like, Oh, I disagree. I, I think d- it's just... Uh, it's the marketing and the design space doesn't hasn't explored that well, yet. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I think it's actually, it's a, it's just a trickier problem than people might think because uh, the, the opposite end of the scale, I think, is probably the new uh, the new Hitman. The fact that it's like the first part of the new Hitman is just this big level mm. and they're adding another one soon. But to begin with, it's like you do the training missions and then you've got this big Paris level. And I found, even though some people, it really tickles their brain the right way, I found that the fact that I just had this one big place to explore and just keep going through and doing the same thing again and again, looking and learning everything about this one area, yeah. I found just the fact that I knew I didn't have anywhere else to go afterwards. <laughs> would just sort um, of stop just meant you I from just wanting didn't to progress. Care. I just couldn't be bothered. I was like, there was something about the whole experience that really turned me off. Um, so I think it is interesting that. I, I get why games are often these funnels so you can keep getting this sense of progress, but I think that it's more interesting if you can have these ritual environments that people stay in, but at the same time, when people try and do that, and go, how oh, are we just going to be spending time here today? Something about you goes, but I want to see what's next. Yeah, I, I think Hitman's an interesting case because you really need a narrative or something to pull you through that stage. And then Hitman was basically just a sandbox and then it gave you almost everything. Yeah. And then that was funny. Yeah, I don't have that sense of progression. I think I, like most people, booted it up, wandered around in it for an hour, went, this is great. Messed around, got caught, went, oh man, great. Closed it and actually had no impetus to open it. Yeah, I mean, I realised that the only real impetus there was the pursuit of perfection, of trying to keep doing it until you perfected it. And I just, I wasn't interested in that. I'm the sort of Hitman player who would just happily slightly fumble a murder, get away with it, and then go somewhere else. I mean, for me, Hitman is at its best. It's like um, nothing's more interesting than a weak villain in narrative, right? Uh, Hitman Hitman is interesting, but it becomes really interesting when you mess up the assassination and then the the environment explodes. You slightly fudge it, uh, but you manage to just... Get out of there. Yeah, and, and you're like, walking and you know there's one person in the building who's looking for you. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, actually, I don't know if I've ever talked about Sunset on this podcast before, which was a really interesting game by um, uh, Tale of Tales. Tale of Tales, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the deeply artistic sort of Belgian studio. But this was a kickstarted game that was really interesting. And if you have like five or ten quid burning a hole in your pocket and you enjoyed Gone Home, it's absolutely still worth buying Sunset on Steam. Um, it is a game where you play a cleaner at, in a sort of uh, South American city. And you are cleaning the apartment of a very wealthy man. And uh, the idea is that you show up every day at sunset and then you clean his apartment for like half an hour. And then it, it actually puts a, a very strict time limit on you that I didn't appreciate. There's lots of things in the game that doesn't work. It's fascinating as a case study for intention versus the actual effect they got. Mm. Um, but uh, it's still so worth playing because you, you arrive in his apartment and initially, of course, he hasn't finished unpacking. So, and there's a, a bit of uh, Mass Effect style, like, do you unpack his books for him? Or do you, you know, let the fucking rich man unpack his own books? Mm. Uh, do you help yourself to a drink from his cabinet or do you not? Um, and it's interesting because it really lets you be com- a complete voyeur. And there's so much fascinating stuff in that game. Like, for example, you think he's just a rich man and you know he's just some politician. You don't care. And then you notice that he's young. And you're like, okay. Then you notice in pictures and stuff, he's like single and you're like, oh, whatever. But then I showed up on the second day and he hadn't unpacked anything. I, had, I hadn't unpacked anything for him. Everything's still in boxes and I'm like, oh, he's a slob. And then you know what I noticed? On his big, beautiful balcony, he'd taken one armchair and dragged it over to the balcony and unpacked one table and one ashtray and one bottle of booze and, <laughs> and, had, and a book. And he'd sat on his armchair and was looking out across the balcony, reading and smoking. And that was all he needed from life. And I'm like... What was he reading? And then it was like this really cool book on philosophy. And I'm like, maybe this guy's quite cool. (laughs) And then, yeah, you never actually see him, of course, but you, through like multiple weeks, and then of course the plot actually uh, has the country like falling into a civil war that he's kind of involved in. Right. And uh, and then, you know, you have opportunities to affect that. But uh, yeah, it's, really fascinating exercise that is interesting yeah and I think I just uh, Bloodborne and the way uh, From Software Games work just made me realise there's a wonderful little uh, a little gem to be had there with game design narrative design but it is is the problem and the problem is quite simple it's just this thing of being like how can you keep it is and all I think all game design is pretty much smoke and mirrors and tricks but uh, but how can you keep people in one place um, for for, a, for long for enough, a while, they, they can notice. For long enough for them to notice the details are there, without feeling like they're trapped or without feeling like they're not going anywhere. And I think that, like, I think that was a weird side effect of Bioshock that I only started to realise recently of being like, yeah, that it wasn't just that you thought it was a, it, at the time. I just looked at it as being a mechanic that helped uh, soften the blow of death and make it feel like ah, oh, it wasn't as bad. But actually, I realised it had a better effect. It meant that it wasn't backtrack because people hate. Backtracking. You know, but System Shock, of course, the precursor to Bioshock, did do backtracking and it did it well. Yeah, because things were changing all the yeah, time. Yeah, things would change. Monsters would spawn. Yeah. Um, but I think Bioshock is a little more modern in that it likes to let players feel like they have cleared an area. It's that weird thing, I think, of players not not wanting to feel like they're not progressing and not wanting to feel like you're wasting their time. Yeah, System Shock is definitely a, a crueler game in that regard. I think System Shock is exactly the sort of game that if it came out now, like a lot of it would be... Probably actually liked now, but a few years ago would have really bombed and done badly, I think, for something. Because it was, it was really cruel about being like, yeah, you've got to get all the way back over here now. I mean... But I don't have any health packs. I don't have anything. It's like, yeah, you just got to... It's it, was, it was definitely... It came out of the same era as like Resident Evil, right? When survival horror was really like... Uh, it was mean. Yeah, we haven't had a, uh, a really like mean survival horror game in a while. It was going to be PT, but then it got canned. Yeah. After. There, oh, man, I swear to God, there is no greater tragedy than... Than that, than playing playable teaser 
and then suddenly hearing the game was canned, it's like, are you kidding? Ah, you see, that's the greatest. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I. It's funny. I played it with uh, with Lee, and because um, she's a, the biggest Silent Hill fan out of the yeah. two of us, and uh, she sat down with the pad, and then it, PT was so scary that she couldn't play, and I'm like, okay, I'll play. And then she gave the pad to me. But then she was sitting next to me being scared. Yeah. I absorbed the fear via osmosis and then I could hardly play as well. And then we got through it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you do it with somebody else, it's probably a bit better. Um, but my, my partner's not really into horror. I actually like it, but I like it in the same way I like really hot curries of being like, it's, it's somehow a bit exhilarating in a way that I don't like. Oh, yeah. No, um, sure. No, horror is Sometimes I just can't deal with it. We should... Uh, what I want to is the other thing. But I, f- I want to make sure that uh, we encourage people to go and watch this Bloodborne video we've been vaguely talking about though <laughs> so uh, in general this is a video you put out saying that why you think um, Bloodborne is a superior piece of narrative design yeah. than uh, Dark Souls yeah I guess because I'd seen uh, a lot on the net when I started looking up about Bloodborne which was only quite recently because I wanted to finish making all my videos before I started reading other people's thoughts and, and reading uh, other people's like narrative like thoughts and I, I just found that generally speaking that the, the internet perception seemed to be that Bloodborne was this sort of like sort of inferior spin-off and just kind of using slightly remixed versions of the systems. Yeah, which I disagree with. Yeah, I think massively. I think, like, I thought as a single piece of thing, it was really focused and really interesting. So I, I think just, it's, yeah. I think it's the best thing they've done. So if you want to watch this video, you can go to coolghost.net and it will be probably still on the front couple of pages. Just and it, well. if it's not, if you're listening to this podcast in the future where the robots are, then Google uh, Cool Ghosts Bloodborne Narrative. That should do it, yeah. And uh, you'll find it. It's about 25 minutes long, but I think it's all right. It's Sit quite with your lunch. Watch it with your lunch and uh, learn a thing. Yeah, and I'm really excited about the idea of... Uh, it makes me really want From to do something more like that again and just be like, not just get bogged down in world-building, world-building things because what I love about... Uh, and it really got inspired by me finishing Old Hunters, which was the DLC. Yeah. Um, because I finished Old Hunters and it had some really nice beats in there and some really um, really nice ways of wrapping it up. So it felt like to me in the past, um, Dark Souls did a great job of adding more lore and getting you more into some of the characters and the ideas that you knew about. And it did some really cool stuff to like carry on some of the many threads it had. And uh, Dark Souls 2 got just massively improved by the DLC, I think, and the re-jazzed version of the game. But I think that what was lovely about Bloodborne was uh, Bloodborne's DLC was rather than just adding some more story that enriched the world, in, for me it, it like tied it off. It felt like it answered any of the big questions I had left and left me f- with a feeling that like this whole story of Yharnam, and it is a story of a city, and that's what I love most about it really. Um, uh, the, the whole story just felt done, and I was like, oh wow, they've just they've they created this wonderful self-contained story that is, as far as I'm concerned. Done. You know, that's the funny thing about, um, yeah, The Last of Us's DLC was that, uh, you know, you can... Ex- is it Ellie? Yeah. It's like, oh, explore Ellie's childhood. And I went, that was never something that... I mean, because it was at odds with um, the entire story they're told, right? The story is of Ellie and Joel, and it's about their relationship. And then he goes, hey, DLC is Ellie's backstory. It's like... I mean, in general, I've complained a bit about how... Not even complaining, but it is bizarre how much in the late noughties we are obsessed with backstories, like an origin story. Yeah. Like, if you watch any superhero movie in the 80s or early 90s, it's like, origin story? No one gives a shit. He's Batman, you know? Yeah. He's Spider-Man. Then at some point when the superhero movie thing happened, it's like now every single movie that is even vaguely supernatural has to have the explanation. But it's the human side of it, isn't it, I guess? They want to add, like, the, they were just a human. 
they were like, and then bad things have happened or something. Which is fundamentally weird because if you look at like the origin of superhero comics, it's like the whole point is that they are not human. No, they're just different. Yeah, and and, better and that's or the point. Worse. They are they are better. They are worse. They are flawed. But no, it's like no. Let's see how they got there because yeah. let's make them relatable. Yeah, which is not. I mean, it's fine, but like in moderation. Anyway. Yeah. No, but you're right. Similarly, the last. That's one of my points is that with the Last of Us DLC, yeah, it didn't tie anything off because they're it's they're waiting for to do the sequel. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, again. I just really hope they don't do a sequel to The Last of Us because oh, they will. I'm sure they will but it was like it was such a perfect ending that final beat of that ending was just I loved it I adored that oh game. man I know it w- but they will do a sequel yeah I know probably I mean and it'll probably be the same I wouldn't be surprised if we get more Bloodborne even though it's like there's just no need for it I hope they don't though I really what I would love to see because again what this whole video was about was the fact that I really felt playing Bloodborne that from had developed some incredible skills over the past years working on Souls, but they'd also got bogged down with lots of stuff and lots of expectations. And to me, it felt like From had had taken lots of stuff from Souls, distilled it, used their narrative techniques to create something self-contained, much more focused, much cooler. And I just thought... I want more of this. I just want a whole nother new story. I want a whole nother new world. Absolutely. And the fact that he's talked in the past about wanting to do something sci-fi. I'm Miyazaki, like, yeah. yeah, I fucking hope he does. I hope for the he, they, because he's the president now. So hopefully, please, dude, just because it's like, I'm not interested in more like, I mean, I'm not interested in another game of more backstory for something. I mean, yeah, I, I'm talking hypothetically here because I don't, I couldn't name anyone who believes this, but I'm sure they are. They do exist. Like the Dark Souls fan, who's like obviously just Dark Souls Four, more DLC for Dark Souls, and it's like, dude, this man made your favorite thing in the world, and he wants to make something else. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that, um... it is a feat of unbelievable cowardice to be like, no, I want more of the thing I know. It's like, dude, he can make something better. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, I mean a Miyazaki sci-fi game. Can, I can't even imagine what that would look like. Not yeah. least because from obviously, as we mentioned in the last episode, like if we date back to Kingsfield, you know, they've only ever done fantasy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm fantasy just trying thing. to imagine what it'd be like. Just imagine like the original Dead Space made by From Software. Like it's just that yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like yes. <laughs> I mean the original Dead Space made by From Software would like be system shock, but yeah. it wouldn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to see what I do next. So that was a, a big labour of love. And I got a bit more Bloodborne stuff. I've got the Bloodborne Diaries thing being Yeah, I'm going to watch that one because, of course, like I mentioned last episode, I just watched videos of all the bosses. So I'd love to see how it all ties together. Yeah, yeah. It is pretty, pretty good. But again, like you, we've both had these big weights lifted off us. You now don't need to be playing millions and millions of hours of Street Fighter for work. And I now don't need to be painstakingly looking at this Bloodborne footage and chipping away at it like I was trying to fix the bloody Sistine Chapel. It's, it's what happens when you make things about things that you really care about. Yeah. You, get, you get precious to the point that it's not helpful. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. I don't even know what I'm going to do next. You know what I might do? I might plug in my Wii U and play some Nintendo or something. U. I've heard that the, the Star Fox, not the new Star Fox game, the, the game proper is apparently a bit poor. But there's apparently a Star Fox like tower defense game, which is like a downloadable thing on the oh, yeah? which apparently is brilliant. Yeah, it's like you use the little tablet, and the tablet is like lots of CCTV cameras, and you tap on one to control that turret. And the idea is that uh-huh. like you've got all these different turrets defending the base, and you have to like look at them all to see when enemies are coming from and switch and between, jump them. between them. Apparently, it's really fun. But I, I, I just love to poke the Wii U because I haven't turned it on in ages. I'm just enjoying Dark Souls 3 really slowly. With I don't I actually I don't know what I'm doing with it. I'm not doing a diaries thing with it because that was a hell of a lot of work for Bloodborne and 
Um, I didn't know if it was going to be good or not, and it's nothing more depressing than getting stuck into a series with a game and then realizing you don't like it. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'm going to do a big dissection because I mean I'm kind of enjoying it, but I also feel like it's the third game in the series. I'm not sure I have much to say about it at this point, but we'll see how I get on. But I'm enjoying just being like I'm going to take the time and be a blue defender person, I'm being a blue sentinel, and just when people are getting invaded by red spirits, I just turn up and go nope, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm enjoying just very slowly being a good guy. Live your life, Matthew Lees. You've got to fly like a butterfly. There's a questions thread we're going to go to. Let's now. do some questions. So if you go to coolghost.net and click on the big button that says Darth Souls, we have a secret question discuss thread. There's a big questions button you can click on. Uh, the way we work with questions is that you can leave a comment if you want it to be a question, and then the masses will decide by yeah. upvotes and downvotes uh, which questions they want answered. And if you don't want to ask a question, you can just pop in there and upvote and downvote questions you do or don't want. Yeah, absolutely. And then once we've done a question, we delete it from the thread and it is gone forever. Which is kind of a shame because people have conversation threads underneath them. But hey, that's life. It's a system. Sorry. So, Entropy. Uh, it's first... unavoidable. <laughs> it is. Do we go for Richard Cadman's question? Yes. He says, uh, he's talking to me, but I think this is something you'll agree with anyway. So I feel very strongly about this question, actually. Okay, interesting. Uh, on Twitter, you mentioned that you purposefully drop the word gameplay from your vocabulary. I try to. And support all games writing doing the same. I'd love to hear you discuss why in more detail on the podcast. I have a pithy answer, but he asked you, so... Well, what's yours? Well, mine is the... I mean, it's not like we're alone in this. I feel like if you read games writing that is considered to be, like, extremely high quality, or if you read also Games Academia, uh-huh. um, they don't use the word gameplay. No. And it is because it it comes from... I mean, if we trace the like etymology of this word, it goes back to the 90s when people would rate gameplay, graphics, or yeah. graphic ability, or replayability. Yeah. And the idea of breaking apart a game into those like principles as if we have to and they will succeed or fail and theoretically a perfect game would have all of them is absolutely mental. Yeah, and I mean, also, it's that thing of people have made these jokes many times, but people, like, compare it to being like, what's the film look like? Or what's the mouthfeel of this food? And the mouthfeel is actually a thing people talk about now. What's the food taste? What's the... Uh, let's separate the taste from this food from everything. Like, no, it doesn't make sense. It's uh, the test for whether gameplay is a word that you need is look at the sentence you've got with the word gameplay in it and then replace it with the word game and see if it works because yeah. in most cases it will be just fine. I mean, fundamentally, like, the reason I and most people don't use... <laughs> this is the most, like, pedantic question to, well, like, set us both arguing. It's it's the thing is, is I got taught this um, by my first editor when I started working at Future, and it's just, it was a banned word in the magazine. And there were, there were a couple of banned things in the magazines. And the thing is, um, especially with Future, um, my editor in the past had worked with a bunch of other people, lots of people who went off to RPS, so it's a lot of the same people you probably want. Yeah, they were the people who took me under their wings. So it was the same pool of people who'd originally come up with this very similar. They all had their own little flares of you're not allowed to do this because that person hates that. They all had their pet hate. But as editors, they mostly use the same rules. And this rule was just completely undeniable. Like Because what would happen is if you'd say something about gameplay, they'd say... Well, instead of saying gameplay, can you explain to me what you mean? And then yeah. when you did that, you go, well, you don't need gameplay. And that, that was it. It's like, if you can't, fundamentally, and this is harsh, if you cannot explain why a game feels fun to play without just using the word gameplay, then fundamentally, you are not good at your job. Right. I mean, there's, so you know what? We can, we can fork this a little more. If you've got a sentence with the word gameplay, and either you can do what I said and replace it with the word game, if that's what you're trying to express, or if that doesn't work... You can go more specific. It's like, the gameplay is great. It's like, no, what do you say? The controls are great. The the feedback from the way the sound mixes with the animations is great. Like, yeah. look for what is more fun. But gameplay is just, it's like, it's like 
fat on bacon or something. Well, but I just feel like it's basically saying if you say a game's got good gameplay, you're basically saying it's a good, it's game. A good game. Oh my god, let's and move on. I'm, go- I'm getting yeah, angry. No, it is a word that makes people angry. I, I don't think anybody who is uh, worth any professional salt would ever use it um, uh, when you know in writing. I do slip in occasionally, but my god, just don't use it. Should we do one more? Express yourself. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Love expressing myself. Isaac Lawton asks, what's the most absurd reason you haven't bought a game? I was tempted by Farp Cry Primal recently, but decided not to. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, he didn't like there was blue body paint didn't in like it. blue body paint. Hang Sorry, on. Isaac. I just, I, I get a lot of things to read. Wait, wait, hang on. He, he's complaining about blue pigment, but isn't Woad, which is... should. Isaac Lawton, I think that blue pigment uh, was used on people in England. Woad was the substance that you could get from somewhere, and they famously painted themselves blue, and it was one of the reasons the Romans were scared shitless of them. I'm going to Google Although, them. actually, no, they've had this conversation. I'm, I'm, literally, you've just gone walked away from it. Um, somebody, Ricky Mitchell, beneath it. Could oh, it, no. Could it, not, could it not be Woad? I fell in a trap. And Isaac Lawton says, nope, the earliest evidence for Woad significantly postdates the period primal is set in, and there's no evidence for it being used as a dye in Europe until the Iron Age. So basically, um, they should have had ochre, chalk, or charcoal uh, on their body paint. Isaac Lawton goes on to say, I think some mollusks have blue blood, so maybe they're getting it from giant enemy oysters or Atlantic horseshoe crabs. I mean, I think the thing is... I feel so embarrassed. It's one of these things where if you're not going to buy a Far Cry game because it's... uh, Kill me. Because you had made the same point. I literally just went on a very slow ramble when there was a pit in front of me. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. You fell into the hole. But um, yeah, I think... I kind of get what you mean, but if you're not going to buy a Far Cry game because it has the wrong aesthetic details for an era when it's a game where people ride around on, on Cybertooth Tigers and have psychic... Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have psychic powers. Most absurd reason you haven't bought a game. Well, I mean, I think I, 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 I can't play Far Cry games now just because I, I despise the main character in Far Cry 3 so much that... I just immediately like just I it just started hating Ubisoft and it hasn't gone away. <laughs> um, it's it bled very quickly. It was like a virus in my brain. I is this absurd? I'm not buying Dark Souls three because every single time I play a Souls game, I finish it and the DLC comes out and I go, I can't be bothered. Like yeah. I'm out there, so I'm waiting for the DLC to come out for Souls three and then I'll play it all in one big delicious go. Yeah, I mean, I've usually the thing is these days I don't really need absurd reasons not to buy games because. Like, there are so many games that often I just don't buy things just because, no. <laughs> because I have, I don't need an absurd reason. It's not like I think, oh, I really want to play that, but I can't because it has this in it. No. I'm against that. It's more just me going, I don't fancy that. My terrible lust for games that led me to do this for a living means that I very rarely don't buy games. Yeah. Yeah, or if I don't, it's just because I have time for it. It doesn't look interesting enough. I mean, that is a pretty absurd reason. Yeah, it's absurd. Let's do this next question and then round off, because the next questions are good. Bum, 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 bum. That was a bit of... That was bad. Space Beers asks, can we murder Joe Scrabbles and have him as a regular ghost, please? And, oh, there's another question. Scott Gregson says, it'll be a double, double murder because we need Pip too. Yeah, so I think I think that's a spree, as Space Beard points out. A murdering spree. Can we go on a murdering spree? Oh, well, Pip's moved to Bath, uh, or is moving to Bath imminently, and she's going to be a regular on the Crate and Crowbar podcast. Which means, of course, she can never be on this podcast never, ever again. Never, ever again. Enemy podcast. No, they seem good. They seem good. So uh, that's probably just going to be basically massively improved because uh, having Pip as a regular on any podcast will just make it amazing. But we had, uh, we had a chat with Joe, didn't we? We sat him down, we said, Joe... 
And you're old enough now, Joe. We said you can have your clothes back, but listen to us first. You can come inside. Just stop kicking, Joe. Joe, listen, Just listen. Come inside, dry yourself off, and he was so cold and wet. But yeah, unfortunately, you know, we're hoping to get Joe on the podcast more. He got given a very good job offer, and he is maybe thinking about going freelance later in his esteemed career. Yeah, maybe. We'd, and we'd, when he does, we'd love to ensnare Joe with a big net because he's amazing. But he's he's working for a big company who pay him reasonably well. He got, so is it IGN? IGN, yeah. yeah. Internet gaming now, <laughs> really? No, but it's <laughs> it is something like something like Imagine Gaming News or something. Not or something. There's not that. But. Imagine gaming. Nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we'd love to ensnare everybody. But ensnaring people is difficult because people have jobs. Yeah. But basically, don't worry, cool ghosts. No one is working harder than me and Matt to uh, think about getting a stretch goal on the Patreon and securing another member of the team. Yeah, we talked about this in the past. It's one of these tricky things where we have people we'd love to be permanently on the team and we'd love to go, oh, here's a stretch goal. But we'd have to kind of tell people on the stretch goal who we want to hire. <laughs> yeah. And that puts that person in a bit of a weird situation with their employer. So we've had to kind of ice that idea on account of the fact that it wouldn't be good with HR. What's all this about? Why is there a Kickstarter for you to leave your job here? <laughs> on the up, if we ever did really want Joe, we could do it without asking him. And then his employer would say, are you going to call Ghost? And he'd say, no. no. But oh, who imagine. would they believe? It's his word against ours. <laughs> Two dead ghosts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, don't worry. We think about these things all the time uh, but in the meantime you're just going to have to put up with us until we mysteriously have more money um, so this is a good time for it because you and I have no idea what we're going to offer next either it's like a lucky dip yeah no idea digital lucky dip absolutely no idea on that topic actually if you do enjoy our podcasts <laughs> uh, you can support <laughs> our you enjoy supporting whatever's going to come out from us next <laughs> whatever with whoever uh, with a uh, very much ambivalent ambiguous promise not ambivalent we're the opposite of ambivalent no we're deeply passionate we care a lot we're deeply passionate we have so many things we want to do it's just that the process of actually doing them is sometimes tricky that is Um, absolutely true that's pretty bang on but we're getting there Um, I might do a video on Kitty Horror Show's games or the Wii U or RimWorld oh it's so much to say so many things so many things I'm actually I feel freed now I feel like a butterfly so I'm just going to float around and look at some games oh that'd be great Um, but yeah you go to coolghost.net and you can watch whatever we're up to now God knows what we'll have coming this Thursday <laughs> do watch Matt's uh, Bloodborne video it is excellent yeah I recommend that you finish Bloodborne because there are some spoilers uh, lots of spoilery footage for Bloodborne and there's also some spoilers of Dark Souls but if you don't care too much just go in and uh, whatever and um, yeah you can also if you love Dark Souls then you can go to patreon.com forward slash cool ghosts and you might consider just patronising a little bit as part of our thing I have a question for you person on the train or on a bus or walking through a forest walking their dog listen to this yeah. Do you think this podcast is worth one dollar? If you do, you can throw us a dollar every month to continue supporting Darth Souls and Hot Gaming Chat. Yeah, and we'll do the podcast and do the videos and probably in the future ensnare people with either money or nets. You're paying for our nets, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week, regardless of what happens with you or nets. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Everybody.